What up, what up, what up, up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me as he does each and every time, my best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. What's going on, man? Had to bring out the robe for our guy Marcus Smart returning to the floor tonight. Marcus looked great. I was like, hmm, should I continue wearing the clothes I'm wearing or should I get dressed up? Like, I doubt you were wearing that hat before we came on on the screen. Funny enough, I did have it on. I, okay. I well, I was I was kind of I had it on. I went for a walk towards the end of my work day and then I kind of had it on and off and I was just kind of playing with it. Like I didn't have it like like it was on the side or I was, you know, put it on backwards, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been it's been around. But to your point. I, I can't act like that ain't something I usually do where I'm like, you know, it's tonight a hat episode. Yeah. And then I'll decide, you know, if I got a hat lying around my office or every once in a while, like, you know, I'll go into you know, most of my hats are in, are in our, uh, our bedroom here. And then we'll be like in there watching TV and she's like, you going out? I'm like, no, nah, I got to do a podcast. <laughs> and like, it, it just, it, it makes it, it's, it's a, it's a big time gut check. Cause it feels ridiculous to go in and get a hat to sit at my desk in a separate room and record a podcast. But sometimes hey. you need a little bit of comfort. Yeah, man. I mean, we are a, a audio um, medium, but we have been putting things on YouTube, right? We have been doing a lot more video content. Shout out to you for the great videos that you've been producing. Shout out to a guy, Mark McDonough, for the videos that he's been producing as well. Uh, but By the way, no, I, I, I need to good. give Mark a title. Mark, I think we need to make Mark the uh, creative direct, Green with Envy creative director is what I'm proposing as a title for our guy. Does it come with a stipend? <laughs> TBD. Because okay. circle back next quarter and we'll uh, we'll see what we can do. It's an unpaid internship to start. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, but real quick, before we get into this game tonight, and and you know, it's crazy enough, we're at the All Star break, so we're you know we're well beyond the the midway point. Very weird setup of, that the NBA has between the trade deadline and the actual halfway point of the season. Um, but it's crazy that we're here already. But I want to check in with you, man. How was your Valentine's Day? It was cool. It was cool. I uh, made steak which I don't really eat a lot of steak these days. So I'm trying to do steak like once every two to three months, but I did it in the cast iron. Um, I was the one that did all the cooking. So that was my kind of gift to Danielle is that uh, I was, I would do all the cooking. I didn't have the energy for the cleaning afterwards. (laughs) So she ended up cleaning up the, the, the sink this morning, but I made a steak on the cast iron. So just four minutes on each side, it was a um, prime rib cut. So really, really, really nice. I ended up taking the leftover pieces of fat that Danielle didn't eat mm-hmm. and I threw them back on the cast iron and got them really nice and crispy little like dessert steak for myself. Dessert which was, steak. Which that's, was great. That's the most Charlie Kelly thing you've ever said in your life. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also got a, a nice chocolate cake from H-E-B's Bakery and threw down some chocolate Yo, cake. Yo, their chocolate cake is fire. I do like their it's chocolate so good. cake. Their chocolate cake is very good. I got to say, last night, um, so on my side of things, we, we ordered some sushi. Nice. Uh, I went out, got some flowers before. One of the funniest scenes of my entire life. So I ordered these flowers probably late last week, but it was a little too late to do the delivery option. Mm-hmm. So I was like, whatever, I'll just go pick it up. And, you know, I, I don't know why I even tried to be secretive. She clearly knew it. I was like, oh, yeah, I got to I need the car <laughs> at 10 a.m. because I got to go pick up my my new contact lenses. <laughs> and, you know, later on, she was like, I knew something was weird. Like, why would you need to go pick up contact lenses at a very specific time? You should just yeah. be able to go whenever. <laughs> but this but the flowers had a pickup time. So I don't know. I, I tried to keep a little element of surprise and effort into this. Uh, but so I did order in advance, but I showed up to the florist 
and honestly straight out of a tv show just an <laughs> army of guys getting last minute flowers there's a handful that were like in the parking lot like me waiting for uh flowers to be dropped off to your car inside mm-hmm. i stepped inside to let them know i was there it is just all dudes and hood like every every type of dude you could think of was there there's a it. tech bro in a suit there's guys in hoodies there's guys in athletic wear wearing slides it's every single type of dude that you could think of all in the same day all of us gathering in one place to go get these flowers for Valentine's valentine's day how valentine's day keeps doing it being the sham of a holiday it is i don't know but they it keeps winning year after year taking down dudes every year for their money yeah i don't buy flowers on valentine's day i think that's overrated i save my flowers for random occasions you know flowers on a thursday just because like i, yeah. I like that versus valentine's day flowers a little overdone but shout out to you for for making the effort you know i made my effort appreciate, appreciate you slamming my effort but yeah <laughs> Uh, one, one thing that was actually kind of funny. So we had watched, uh, the new episode of last of us on Monday night and Danielle got super freaking sad. Like she was like, it affected her on like a very visceral level. I was like concerned mm-hmm. for her. It's a the, sad episode. Yeah. She cries at like everything. Mm-hmm. Um, like all the dog commercials during the Super Bowl. She was like at, we were at someone's house and she was sobbing at the, at the dog commercials during the Super Bowl. Cause one of the dog commercials actually looked like my two dogs. But, uh, yesterday after last of us, I'm like, listen, we can't be sad on Valentine's day. Like we can't watch anything. She'd watch a lot of Grey's anatomy, which is like, you know, it's all always super emotional stuff. I was like, let's watch something, something fun. And she's like, Oh, what do you have in mind? And I was like, well, the Celtics are playing the bucks and I know how much you like Giannis. <laughs> so that was was... Like, well, well done. You can watch the Celtics. You made me dinner. <laughs> so that was part two was I was going to sacrifice the Celtics game and you know especially when I, I mean especially when I saw it was the hospital season versus yeah. a, a full strength Bucks team I was like oh, this is probably a good game to just like hey let's focus on you know having a nice meal we popped a bottle of champagne you know like it was a, it was a really nice night and uh and then I think either right before dinner or after dinner um my girlfriend Lorena checked her Instagram and she saw either your story or Danielle's story. And, uh, and she was like, well, it looks like they're watching the Celtics. I was like, yeah, see, it's all right. We don't need to. And I checked the score at halftime and I was like, well, now that we've kind of done everything, yeah, you know, and I was like, you gotta put it on. You gotta put yeah. it on. The game was awesome last night. So we'll hit that here in just a second. Cause I do think that game was interesting enough that we're going to go back to that. But for sure, as we always do, let's start with the Celtics morning box score. Cue it up, Greg. Celtics take down the Pistons 127 to 109 for the Pistons. Bojan Bogdanovic 28 points and five rebounds. Beef Stew 14 points, four three pointers. That was fun to see out of Beef Stew. All four coming in the second half. Jaden Ivey also chipped in with 17 points for the Celtics. Jason Tatum 38 points, nine rebounds, and seven assists. And welcome back, Marcus Smart. Nine points, seven rebounds, six assists, six steals on the night. Hell of a night to return for Marcus Smart after missing double-digit games. Malcolm Brogdon, 25 points, six assists. And for the Celtics, they win the battle from the three-point line 21-11 to while shooting 46.7% on the night. Greg, this was a, a very fun game 
to head into the all-star break i know after last night's uh you know, heartbreak in a game that, that was pretty impressive just for them to even be in, but it was still a little bit heartbreaking. I know there was there some some concern that by the time the Celtics hit the all-star break in Utah, they could be in second place because if they were going to rest certain guys, they get a few of their guys back. Specifically, Marcus Smart comes back after a prolonged absence, gets his feet wet before they head in to the stretch run of the season. So let's start there. Give me your impressions of, of Marcus Smart on his uh, on his comeback tonight. Well, he looked fresh. And he looked excited to play basketball, which is always a good thing to see because the season is such a slog. 82 games is a very long season. And there are some games where you can clearly tell the guys just like are doing their job. They're not really like loving the fact that they're playing basketball. Marcus looked like he was loving playing basketball tonight and he looked refreshed. His legs looked bouncy. As you see on the screen right here, that great steal, the last of his six deals on um, Bogdanovich there. And I love the energy that Marcus was bringing, um, you know, at the expense of some Peyton Pritchard minutes, at the expense of some Derek White minutes. But I thought having Marcus back on the court tonight was obviously huge, a great lift for the team heading into the break. And for the Celtics to be championship contenders, Marcus Martin has to be the defensive player of the year candidate um, and, you know, reigning defensive player of the year that he is. And tonight we saw that Marcus can still turn it up a notch when he needs to. Yeah, I mean, I think to to your point, Derek White, you know, he, he needed a break. My guy's yeah. playing with a, a hole in his eardrum. That was a weird situation coming out of the Milwaukee game, right? That he stayed back to go see an ear specialist, and he didn't even arrive in Boston until today. I know the team got in pretty late, but you know, sticking with Marcus Smart here, and we'll we'll talk about. Eastern Conference Player of the Week, Derek White, a little bit more here in a minute. But, you know, just seeing Marcus Smart back out there was a reminder, like you said, this guy's the Defensive Player of the Year, right? And the plays that he was making tonight, the reads, the anticipation, I mean, it's pretty rare you get six steals in a game. I think Randy was talking about throughout the broadcast, Celtics average about five, six steals as a team. Mm -hmm. And so Marcus Smart being back out there with that enthusiasm, you know, it, it was really nice. And you could see the whole team was playing with it. Of course, you're playing the team with the worst record in the Eastern Conference. So, I, I you know, I don't want to make too much of that. They were, but they were having a good time out there. And it was definitely needed after last night was, was such a, you know, a tough defeat in an unexpected way, but still a tough defeat when you come down the stretch against a team that's going to be your rival. And so having Marcus Smart out there was an extremely big lift for these guys. And then you get guys like Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum goes 15 of 24 from the field tonight, as you can see on your screen here, if you're watching us on YouTube, six of 10 from the, from the three point line. And something that I thought was pretty crazy that third quarter tonight where he was going nuts Scores 24 points. That's his highest scoring quarter in his entire career. And also, the Boston Celtics as a franchise, their highest scoring third quarter of all time. Shout out wow. to Taylor. Shout out to Taylor Snow, who was dropping knowledge tonight on the on the Twitter handle there for the Celtics. Uh, but very impressive night from from Jason Tatum after missing the Bucks game. Uh, felt good to see him get that rhythm, especially from the three-point line where you could tell he was just he was just feeling it. Another guy that looked very bouncy, the three-pointer. You would imagine once it was announced that he was going to be in the three-point contest, he was like, all right, need to go in the lab a little bit, need to make sure that the shot's feeling good going into the three-point contest this weekend. So I think that 
that work that I'm sure he's putting in to get ready for that three-point contest looked like it paid off tonight. In the third quarter, he could not miss. I think he only missed one shot, maybe two in that third quarter, and I think it was that fast-break layup attempt that he probably got fouled on. Um, but he was just absolutely on fire. One thing I really like about Jason Tatum is when he wears uh, black shoes. I, I, I don't know. I, what? This is like, was it two years ago you had the, the Marcus Morris uh, black shoe theory? Yeah, the Marcus Mars black shoe theory was great. Uh, but Jason Tatum, I don't know what it is about black shoes. It's like, to me, it almost look makes it look like he's more sturdy for some reason. Like, I think black shoes just like have a sense of like power on the court. And it, it just, for whatever reason, this is probably, I'm probably the only person that feels this way about black <laughs> shoes. But I think Jason Tatum like looks stronger in black shoes. But I think tonight his performance you could tell that he felt bad about missing the game last night. He had to be there for his guys. They were they put in so much effort in that game in Milwaukee just to come up just short, and he had to be the MVP that he is tonight to to really you know carry the Celtics in the third quarter when nobody else is really doing anything. And I think the Pistons scored thirty eight or forty points in that third quarter. Yeah, that was the that was the quarter where it started teetering a bit where it was oh, we really going to have to go through this again, blow, you know, I don't want to say blow it because a lot of times the Celtics hang on and still and still may obviously end up with a victory. That's why they're the number one team in the NBA, but they make it a lot harder on themselves than it really needs to be. And with a team like the Pistons, usually you can stave that off. But when you get deep in the playoffs, it could become a problem. And so yeah. it kind of felt like that pattern repeating again because Tatum, you know, was really the only one that had it going in the third, but then by the fourth, the Celtic turned it, Celtics turned it around. Were able to create some distance. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon had another big game tonight. Another quick stat on him. Another one from our guy Taylor Snow here. Brogdon became the seventh player in team history with twenty-five plus points off the bench in consecutive games. Wow. Uh, so yeah, another another great stat from our guy Taylor Snow. Shout out to him. Um, but Brogdon back-to-back good games. I know last night was a was a little bit of a weird mix, even though he he had the numbers is a little bit. It was a different style of play for Brogdon last night, and probably a little bit of that was was the amount of players that were missing, and so he mm-hmm. felt compelled to kind of put it on his shoulders a little bit, uh, but still impressive in back-to-back performances from a guy that we've been concerned about, you know, his uh, his workload. And you can see that that you know he's able to do hold up just fine in these back-to-backs here. So overall. I mean, it's it's really hard to to have too much to say about this game. It was just a really fun game. The vibes were on point, mm-hmm. and you got a little bit of something out of everybody. You know, Grant Williams knocked down a couple of threes. A little bit of a quiet night for Sam Hauser, but he's had a big stretch, so I'm, I'm going to let that pass. I think that's I think that's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, anyone else that you want to hit on on this game, Greg? Like I said, there's not too many other places to go with it. Yeah, I think with Brogdon, just real quick on the style of play that we see out of Brogdon, you know, I think, what did he have six assists tonight? Um, He, in last night, I think he had four or five assists as well. It's just like, I think maybe it's a juxtaposition of him playing next to Derek white or with Derek white, who makes such quick decisions and makes like the right play all the time and is always getting the pass out early. Brogdon kind of reminds me a little bit of Jalen in that way where like, he Mm -hmm. doesn't make the pass as early as it, as he can specifically, the, the the play that kind of frustrates me with Brogdon right now is when he gets to, when he goes pick and roll and somebody, or pick and pop actually in this situation, and a really good shooter pops out to the three. He doesn't have that behind the back pass 
that like Tatum has to, you know, the, the play that me and you use all the time yeah, when, we, yeah, when yeah. we play pickup. It's like a very simple pass. And I haven't really seen him make that and get that ball out early. It's always like a beat late for shooters. There was a big moment in the Bucks game in which I think he was late getting the ball to Hauser, messed up his rhythm, he missed a big mm-hmm. three late in the game. But Brogdon overall, you know, he's he's been awesome. He's been the sixth man of the year by far now that Westbrook is out of the picture. <laughs> which was just, uh, absurd, but yeah. it was just absurd. But I think the other guy we got to talk about is Blake. You know, Blake played 28 minutes tonight. He had that great hustle play where he dove on the floor and got a standing ovation towards the end of the game. Um, I loved everything I saw out of Blake. He's been everything that we need him to be this season. And the fact that he was able to give us 28 good minutes tonight where it looked like he belonged on the court. And I think this is something that we're probably going to have a conversation about here in a second, but it just begs the question, you know, come nut crunch time in the playoffs, like which of these guys are just going to be completely out of the rotation or relegated to the bench as we saw with Peyton Pritchard tonight. Yeah, that's interesting. Let's, 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 let's talk about that because I had that same thought tonight without us as our best friends. We didn't talk about this. It's not on our list of our rundown of what we're going to talk about, but I did have this thought tonight of, you know, looking at last night, looking at tonight and kind of looking ahead, what does that playoff rotation kind of look like and who's just not going to see the court? And this was kind of my thoughts on it. And let me, I want to hear you kind of react to it. So basically you have eight guys and there's a little bit of debate right now of whether or not Derek White should be in that starting lineup. I think it's going to continue to be, this is actually an area where I think I like what Joe Mazzula has done, where he's remained kind of mixing and matching the starters. There's six guys that are going to start. If everyone's healthy, it's going to be the Jays. It's going to be Marcus. It's going to be Horford. The four of them will start. And then I think it's kind of Rob or Derek, depending on which team. And I'm cool with that. I think that's kind of your six starters. Then you have one of them obviously goes to the bench. Then you're going to have Grant Williams and Malcolm Brogdon, your main two subs, you know, every single night. So that eight is going to be the core that plays. And then from that, I think you're going to end up with a group of Sam Hauser, Peyton Pritchard, and Mike Muscala, in which those are going to be, you know, and I'm talking once again with everybody healthy. Those are going to be the guys that maybe you plug and play in certain matchups to continue to gain an advantage or you need an energy boost in Peyton Pritchard. You need more shooting in Sam Hauser. You need to stay big with Mike Muscala. Those are going to be the guys that you may see in those, you know, anywhere from five to 12 minute type roles in the postseason. And then I think Luke and Blake, unless somebody's hurt and they're filling in kind of in that starter role that they've been doing or filling in those larger minutes for either Rob or Al, I think those are going to be the guys that you don't see. And I'm kind of okay with it, but and I think that's a really nice luxury. But that was kind of the vision that I was working through in my head. What would be your thoughts to that? First question, first comment. You think Joe Missoula puts thought into his lineups? You don't think that he just does things because he feels like it? Well, I mean, if you if you talk to Jay King in the way and the questions that he was asked the other night about Rob Williams, he just does things to do them. You're right. So so maybe there isn't maybe I'm giving him too much credit for 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 differentiating his lineups. I did it because I I felt like it. That's why I did it. <laughs> My God, my I, 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 I'm so if you're following me on Twitter, you know that I'm building up evidence that I think Joe Missoula is a robot in his program before each game on how he should have conversations with other human beings. And when he gets thrown off, he just turns into one word answers that are barely make sense. But 
I yeah, I don't I don't know if I don't know if Joe thinks he's being funny all the time with the deadpan and like he actually just finds it humorous. I mean, it's it's like he's doing an imitation of maybe he's like, Oh, I've seen Popovich. This is what Popovich is like. It's not you're not really doing you're not really doing Popovich, man. Like it's a it's a comedian that's trying to do an imitation. It's like you're not really doing it, man. That's not really a British accent. Yeah, well, I mean, AI is getting to the point where maybe like we can actually have AI just generate all of Joe Mazzullo's post game comments. <laughs> but with with your your question about the the rotation, I think it's pretty clear that last year's starting five probably come playoff time is going to be our starting five, just because we we want that to, the defensive start to every game, and we play better with two bigs. Um, you know, with with this iteration of the Celtics. And then you got Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, who I think will be getting 20 minutes a night regardless of the matchup. And then Grant, I think, is probably swinging between 10 and 20 minutes based on matchup, based on the need to guard a guy like Giannis. And then after that, Sam Hauser's probably the next guy that I would actually slot in for minutes just because he's such a weapon when his shot is going. And as as you know, I think he's a much better defender than he gets credit for. And then the 10th guy, I think, is Muscala. Muscala, And then that's where the line is drawn. There are Mm -hmm. 10 guys that are going to get minutes. Unfortunately, that means no Luke. Um, That means no Peyton Pritchard. And that means no Blake Griffin, right? And I just just think that's the way it's going to be. You know, and I think even in in games down the stretch, like in the last 30 minutes, 30 games or however many games are left in the season, I think we're going to see that rotation shrink to probably eight or nine guys. But I don't think it should. I think it should remain 10 guys because you never know when you're going to need one of these guys. And, you know, I'm a big believer in keeping guys ready and giving them mm-hmm. rhythm so that I would I would prefer that Joe plays more guys. I think Peyton like not playing Peyton Pritchard tonight. I don't know if Peyton's in the doghouse or something, but he should have played tonight. It was it's kind of ridiculous he didn't play. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to see that he didn't get any type of of run tonight. I know obviously with Marcus back, you now have the full complement of Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, and Derek White. And you look at their kind of minutes right here. You know, Derek White was just under 27. Marcus was right over 29. And then I think, let's see, where's Brogdon? Brogdon was just under 29. And mm-hmm. so it does get harder to find minutes, but this is where, and you know, I don't know if the Celtics are going to go to the bio market. It looks like the Celtics are kind of sitting out at least some of the preliminary rounds of the bio market. Maybe there hasn't been interest because there hasn't been to kind of what we're detailing enough opportunity for a guy like Terrence Ross or a guy like Danny Green who are going to see immediate contributing minutes to a team. And this is without Jalen Brown. You know what I mean? So once you add JB back into this mix, you know, Sam Hauser's not going to get 22 minutes of run. That's going to come down a bit. Blake Griffin's not going to be out there 28 minutes. You know, obviously Rob Williams will be back in the mix. And so finding minutes is, is, is just going to be tough on this team. And yeah, it does stand out that a guy like Peyton Pritchard gets, you know, gets squeezed on a night like tonight. But let's do this great. Let's take a quick break. And, you know, I want I want to touch on the Bucks game. I know our guys from first of the floor covered it, but I want to just talk about it kind of holistically for, for a minute here just because that was such a, a big matchup. So let's take a quick break and we'll we'll come right back. All right, Greg. So as we're looking ahead to the postseason and we're talking about rotations, obviously in Milwaukee on Tuesday night was a pretty big game, especially when it comes down to two teams that are fighting for the top of the Eastern Conference. You know, with the Celtics pulling out the victory against the Pistons, they will go into the all-star break as the number one seed, but not by much. You're going to have a half game lead on Milwaukee going into the break. They lose a heartbreaker a couple nights ago, 131 to 125 in over. 
overtime without four starters, no Jalen Brown, no Jason Tatum, no Marcus Smart, and no Al Horford in that game, and a very limited Rob Williams in that game, only playing about 20 minutes or so and not even starting, uh, which, you know, who knows why? We don't need to Rob, know. Rob played 13 minutes. 13 minutes. My bad. I was looking at the wrong thing here. 13 minutes in a non-starting role for whatever reason. Sometimes you just feel like it. <laughs> Crazy Joe Missoula. What are you going to do? But, you know, I, I do think that this game, you know, I left this game feeling very, very confident. And, and once again, this might be the Doc Rivers approach that we've talked about before, where the better team comes in and they see that the opposing team does not have their best players and they're and the team kind of lets their guard down a bit. And very well, that could have happened. But you know what? The Bucks played pretty damn hard in this game. It wasn't like the Bucks came in and were like, oh, we're just not feeling it tonight. No, they were they were into it. Giannis was into it. Drew Holiday really saved this game for the Bucks with his defensive play. I mean, at the end of the game, you really saw when you needed the Jays, when Drew Holiday was just stonewalling, as great as Derek White has been. He was stonewalling Derek White. And, it, you know, it, Drew Holiday just made the plays that need to be made. But, you know, with that game, Greg, do you think – a full strength Bucks against a second unit Celtics, the hospital C's, as Twitter likes to call them. Did that game with despite the loss, does that mean something or does it mean nothing? Because it wasn't the 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 full teams that we would really see in the postseason going up against one another. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Um, I think like when there's a natural letdown when you're going up against a Celtics team that doesn't have four of their five starters, right? And I think also, the lineup that the Celtics were putting out there, you, you have no way to prepare for that. So, like, the, the Bucks probably have a game plan against a normal Celtics team, but against this team in which you don't know where it's coming from, the ball's moving around. Celtics had 28 assists in that game, especially in the first three quarters. They were really moving, great movement, um, a lot of split actions, just, like, a lot of, lo- lot of just movement off of screens, a lot of great cuts. Muscala, you know, He's new to the team, so I'm sure they didn't have necessarily a great scouting report on what he was going to do last night playing for a career high 44 minutes where he took 16 shots like you don't expect that out of Mike Mike Muscala and then Derek White. I mean, he's been on a heater, so it took them a while to realize like, hey, we should probably just have Drew Holiday on him. Versus yeah. like, you know, they, they had Joe Ingles on him a bunch of times. And, you know, part of that was us forcing, forcing switches. But I think if there's one takeaway from that game, it's that it's just something that I've felt regardless of who's on the court. I think the Celtics have designed their roster to guard Giannis Antetokounmpo in the playoffs. You know, bringing in a Blake Griffin, having a Grant Williams, not moving off of him in the trade deadline, bringing in Muscala, who's a really heady defender, though Giannis completely like annihilated <laughs> him multiple times in that game. And then when you have, you know, even somebody like Luke Cornett, I think just him being able to be big at the rim. And then obviously Uncle Al has been a Giannis defender. <laughs> in the, in the, I was almost going to say I, stopper. But I know. I, I saw you. Stop. I saw you searching for the vocab in your head. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's that's just what my takeaway was that we have all the pieces, even without our best players, to be effective guarding their best player. Yeah, I mean, I do think this speaks to to the depth of the team. You know, and, and the Sixers game was a little bit like that, right? The Sixers game, Celtics were without three and a half stars. Jalen Brown played played that first half, um, and you know, and then obviously Jason Tatum played in that game, and they were able to walk away with the victory. I think this is to me somewhat similar. So I don't want to say it's 
I think it's more than nothing, but I don't think it's something, you know, that's an incredible milestone. I just think it's when you get into those diverse situations in the playoffs and you mean, you look at last year, we had multiple games where Marcus Smart was out, where Rob Williams was out. Obviously the Bucks didn't have, you know, Chris Middleton in that series. And so now you can look kind of across your huddle and say, Hey, I know even if it's Jalen Brown, Hey, I know Jalen Brown's out, but you know what? There, you know, we came into Milwaukee and you, you can make an argument. We could have, we should have walked away with a win mm-hmm. when Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon were our two best players in yep. this game. So there's no reason that we should feel like, Hey, one of our all-stars is gone. So I do think that that can play importance down the line ultimately to your point though it's going to matter when you have the pieces out there that you're scouting for that you're planning for and you know like you said to your point when we play Giannis, the celtics have so many bodies that they can throw it's a war of attrition against Giannis. 100 because you know last night it feels like the celtics had a great game plan and that you know he struggled well he let me let me just read to you. This is what struggling for Giannis sounds like. 36 points, 13 rebounds, 9 assists, and 2 blocks. That's that's a night in which it felt like the Celtics game planned well, executed well, and had success. Once again, 36 points, 13 rebounds, 9 assists, and 2 blocks. I know, and he was 11 of 19 from the free throw line. So, of course, you got to send him to the free throw line and just hope mm-hmm. that he hurts himself by missing some of those free throws. But he made him in the clutch. And, yeah. that's, and, that's, and that's the Giannis gene right there that he's never going to back down. He could have been 2 for 11. He's still going to drive to the hole. You know, he's not yeah, going to turn into Ben relentless. Simmons. Exactly. And, and and so that's the part of where, you know, the Celtics, the depth that showed up is now you add in, like you said, Al Horford, one of the best Giannis defenders, even Tatum, who you can throw for, you know, if you get in the switch, you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be in, in tremendous amounts of trouble when you just have, you know, a guy like Tatum. And so I think long-term this bodes well, how, how do you feel right now? If this, I, I think the East is running through the Celtics and the Bucks, whether they meet in the second round Third or in the conference finals, I think that's ultimately what will decide who comes out of the East as a, as a matchup between these two. How do yep. you feel right now, as of this moment, about this matchup? I think we're the better team. I got to see them with Crowder to, to see how that affects their end of game lineups. Um, Grayson Allen was actually pretty good in the in the game last night, yeah. but you know Connaughton didn't really do as much as I thought. You know he, as, as I expect from him, um, Chris Middleton was okay. You know, if Chris Middleton he had a little con- stretch where it felt like he was trying to take over a little bit. And then I know he's still on a minutes restriction. So he just mm-hmm. sat out the overtime. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we're the better team. I think what used to scare me about the Bucks is I felt like Middleton could go to a level and at least play like Tatum and Brown to a stalemate at the at the wing position. And I feel like those guys have kind of leveled up to the point where I think both of them are now better players than Chris Middleton, which gives us a a big advantage, in my opinion. I think in the past, you could have made an argument that Middleton still had a leg up on Jalen. Even some nights, he could have a leg up on Tatum, but I don't think that's the case anymore. So with them, I mean, I got to see it. Like I said, with Crowder, I think we're the better team, but I could see them giving us some issues. And if Drew Holiday plays like that, it's going to be tough to beat because, you know, I'm a big Drew Holiday guy. He was but special I, last night. Yeah, but we have the we have the horses to guard a Drew Holiday. You know, we have Brogdon, we have White, we have Smart. Like, if there's any guard trio in the league to match up with Drew Holiday, we have that guard trio. Yeah, but another big note is no Bobby Portis last night as well. True. He's been really good. True. Bobby Portis is really good for them. And so that's the, you know, I, I think this is... 
I want this matchup. I want this matchup to happen because I just as an NBA fan, it's gonna be a fun matchup. Like I don't ever want to see the Heat again. I'm done with the Heat. I'm done yeah. with seeing the Heat. I don't really want to see see the Raptors. The Sixers would be fun because I think just beating Philly is a good time. Yeah, I'm saying yeah. we're gonna beat Philly. We'll beat Philly. But I think with the Bucks, and then when you add in, you know, Jay Crowder and Bobby Portis back to this mix, Joe Ingles is now in the mix. They have, you know, the, their depth on the wing, like you said, to the point of we're built to kind of stop Giannis. They're kind of mm-hmm. built for, oh, you guys have two good wings. We're never going to ha- not have two solid wings plus Giannis mm-hmm. to be able to throw out your, or Brooke Lopez on that back line of defense to go along with Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. And I know Ingles isn't necessarily the best defender, but you got to guard him on the other side. That's going to yeah. take energy and effort. For sure. You know, he's going to be able to ball handle. That's something they didn't have, you know, last year when Middleton went down. They didn't really have another ball handler to run a pick and roll outside of Drew Holiday. Put too much on his shoulders. Then you get Jay Crowder, who's, you know, going to guard up, going to be able to guard the wings. And so they kind of, you know, emulated the Celtics, but in reverse, but preparing for a Celtics series. The Celtics preparing for the Bucks. The Bucks preparing mm-hmm. for the Celtics. And it, it just feels like we're on a collision course towards a Bucks Celtics. I guess this would be part three, part four. I mean, we, we've met them several times in the playoffs at this point, two to one Celtics in that yeah, favor. Three, being, three out of the last five years. Yeah. Two to one Celtics. The only year the Celtics loss was that weird Kyrie year. Uh, but right now, as we head into the break, Celtics 41 and 17. Bucks 40 and 17 half game lead for the Celtics. Not sure if the Bucks are playing tonight as they play we're tomorrow. Recording. They play tomorrow. Okay. They play tomorrow. So we'll see if we end up uh, tied for that lead going into the all-star break. But yeah, I, I think the East comes through Boston and Milwaukee. I, I just don't see it ending any other way unless there's some, you know, horrible injury turns that happen mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I agree with you completely. All right, with that, let's let's wrap up this podcast here by just taking a quick look ahead to the All-Star game. Uh, something I was actually curious about, I meant to look this up beforehand, and I hadn't seen it yet. Have we gotten an update about Jalen Brown for Sunday in the All-Star game? Has there there's been? A, okay. Yeah, there's. A, I mean, there's, there's a chance he's going to play. They haven't said he's not going to play. They haven't said he is going to play. Um, so in that, they haven't ruled him out. I feel yeah. like that is an update so to speak, you know? <laughs> right, but it, it felt a little, I know he's being fitted for his mask, but it feels a little weird that maybe the first game we'll see Jalen Brown in a mask could be the All-Star game Sunday in Utah, but there has been, you know, no no replacement announced at this point. So as of right now, both Jason Brown, uh, both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum getting caught up in the Jays here, lost in the sauce. Jason Brown's an offensive lineman somewhere in the NBA. I mean, in the NFL. Yeah, see, we're, we're getting, this is, a, this, is, this is the all-star break for us, too. We got to get the hell out of here. We're, we're mixing up names here left and right. Both of them will be playing on Sunday. And Joe Mazzula, of course, will be the head coach. Hopefully, they don't put a microphone in his face and ask him to speak. I'm not sure he has that programming update to this point. But on Saturday Oh, my night, God. No, wait, wait. We got to stop there. I didn't even consider this. Like, at... NBA All-Star Weekend, like Joe Mazzulla is going to have to answer a lot of questions. I don't think like the NBA landscape as a whole understands how weird this man is. So like it's he's going to go viral during during this weekend. One hundred percent. He's going to say and or not say something that's going to get the rest of NBA Twitter and the rest of the NBA world to kind of collectively scratch their heads. So yeah. we'll wait to see what that moment is. We'll, we'll check back in after Sunday, see if we can find what that, what that snippet will be. But then on Saturday night, let's look at Jason Tatum is going to be in the three point contest. 
this is always i think this is actually probably the funnest part of all-star weekend i'm not really huge into the game although i am excited for them picking the teams on the court i think that's going to be kind of interesting so Mm -hmm. i definitely will be tuning into that uh but i think the tatum and three-point contest is going to be really interesting here's the lineup of what we got we got damian lillard jason tatum kevin huerter Tyler Hero, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Anthony Simons, and Lori Markinen for the home crowd. You liking Tatum to pull this out, Greg? Yeah, I mean, the way he was shooting that thing tonight, I, I, I have a feeling he's going to like make his mark this weekend. I think this is one of those weekends in which Jason Tatum like truly announces that he has arrived as one of the top five players in the league. I think he's going to carry himself like that in the game and also in this competition. So I believe in it. And I love the video that Mark made for us. Um, I, that's got me believing that Jason Tatum is going to be the next of, um, you know, not a long tradition, but a tradition of Boston Celtics who have won that three point contest. Uh, yeah, man, that's, that's kind of how I'm feeling. Uh, I think Tatum's going to have a great weekend. I hope Jalen doesn't play, but if he just wants to get out there for a few minutes, because you know, it's it's only a second all-star game. I I don't, I don't knock him for that. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably going to cringe a little bit anytime that if there is anything that, you know, could happen, but they barely play in the all-star game. So I'm not going to worry too much about it, but with the three point contest, Larry bird, Jason Tatum, Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Shout out to Gus Johnson. We'll we'll see what that looks like. Larry Bird won the so I was looking this up the other day. Larry Bird won three straight three-point contests, and they were the first three three-point contests ever. Was all dominated by Larry Bird. He's one of two three-time winners, along with Craig Hodges of the Bulls. Jason Tatum, I think this is his second three-point contest, competed a couple years ago. Did make it to the second round, didn't didn't end up ultimately winning. But I think if I look at this field right now. I'm trying to think of the way some of these guys shoot. I feel like Dame Lillard is kind of built for, you know, hey, everyone's forgetting about me, and he's crushing it right now. I think he's averaging 38 points per game over his last 10 or 11 games. And, you know, he's kind of just in Portland where, you know, they're they're hanging around the play-in but not making that much noise. I feel like this could be – I would love to see a Dame Lillard-Jason Tatum showdown in the three-point contest. That's kind of my prediction of what I'd like to see for the finals, but anything else with all-star game weekend that, that you're looking forward to? Nah, man. Once uh, I found out that there was going to be no John Morant, no shade and sharp in the dunk contest. I was just like, yeah, I'll watch the three point contest. Other than that, you know, I'm, I'm there. I'm there to support the Jays. Yeah, 100%. It really disappointing. Not no shade and sharp. He was really the only reason I was considering kind of tuning in to the, to the slam dunk contest, but yeah, all-star game weekend for those of you that enjoy it and celebrate. Have a great time. I'm probably going to be tuning in and out, probably taking this time off, much like some of the Celtics that aren't going to Utah. Going to enjoy the weekend, <laughs> try to take a little bit of time to decompress as we gear up for the second half of the season. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode here of Green with Envy. Greg, any final thoughts? And if not, let us know what we're going to hear on the way out. You know the drill. Black Sheep Optimists, Skywalking. Peace, everybody. Peace, everybody. Enjoy the All-Star game. I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, thinking it's a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stay for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably 
all that she wrote But I'll be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope He should know that I embody that's what go with the flow I can sing a different song if I cannot hit the notes You had me taking off when you took off your clothes This should be coming down by now, but I won't